Welcome to the Data Center Frontier Show, where we tell the story of the data center industry and its future. Our show is hosted by Rich Miller, the editor of Data Center Frontier. Today's podcast is brought to you by Compass Data Centers. Now here's Rich with today's show. The data center industry is now a global business. For developers, building a global footprint is a complex undertaking, which includes operating across borders and oceans to find the sites and staff to enter new markets. Today, we'll talk about what that process looks like with our guest, A.J. Byers, the President of International Operations for Compass Data Centers. Here's our conversation. A.J., welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Rich. It's great to be here today. I thought a good place to start would be to tell our listeners a little bit about what you do at Compass and perhaps uh, how you have uh, arrived in the, the data center industry and, and at this position. Sure. So I've been in the I've been in the industry for over 20 years now. Uh, the majority of my experience has been in Canada. Worked on two or three different platforms. Uh, the one that I think is the most interesting was the last platform we worked on, which was Root Data Centers out of Montreal, um, and uh, joined Compass in 2019 through the acquisition of Root. Again, when, when we got together with, with uh, Compass and, and looked at kind of what we were doing and what they were doing, we were very well aligned. And one of the major uh, initiatives that we wanted to do at Root was expand internationally. And Compass was mostly focused on the US at the time. So my role at Compass is to help, uh, help the organization expand outside of the US. So I, I, I'm in charge of our international expansion, um, which, is predominantly uh, Canadian and European right now. Let's talk a little bit, uh, maybe a good place to start is talking about Canada. Yeah. Uh, you've uh, done a lot of work with Root in the Montreal market, which for a number of reasons has emerged as a pretty significant center for hyperscale computing. What is it about Montreal that has led to the, the hyperscalers choosing that area as, a, as the region where they want to deploy capacity? Yeah, so when we first looked at launching a wholesale platform in the Canadian market, one of the key drivers is obviously cost of electricity and sustainable electricity. So uh, when we look across the country, uh, the province of Quebec has the most sustainable electricity. It's 100% renewable. And from a price point perspective, it's probably a third of Ontario, certainly lower than the rest of the country, and probably one of the lowest uh, electricity prices in all of North America. Uh, so that's why we jumped on on uh, looking at Montreal as the target market for hyperscale growth. Our target customers were looking at the same location, which aligned very well. The deployments up there have been pretty large. Uh, when you were at Root and you were starting to work with some of these, these customers, uh, how did you approach the, the kind of build-outs uh, that you were doing there in, the, in, in Quebec? Yeah, it's interesting. In Canada, there were not large-scale deployments prior to our deployment at uh, Root. We built one of the largest data centers in Canada as one of our initial centers. Uh, we, we have three centers there now, and both have expanded significantly uh, under the Compass brand. But uh, there's, uh, there's our current, we have a 15-megawatt kind of combined site, which has two data centers on it. And then we we have a second site, uh, which is approximately 35 to 40 megawatts of IT load. 
Yeah, that's that's pretty good scale. Usually we see a phase development. Is that the kind of uh, approach you were taking? Yeah, so in, in all of those locations, we phased it in. And, and our larger site, because of the, the magnitude of that site, required a high voltage upgrade, which takes time. Uh, we now have that high voltage upgrade in place and significant expansion capacity for our customers. Now, you noted that Compass has uh, focused primarily on the US markets. I have been following the company from its uh, debut, uh, starting sort of with uh, looking at uh, bringing wholesale capacity to second tier markets in the US, then graduating towards uh, larger cloud and in hyperscale projects. And with uh, an interesting combination of, of some edge capacity uh, thrown in as well. When they, they came to you, uh, what were the um, attributes that, that Compass had that, uh, that made you, you know, see that as a good combination for Root? Well, it was, it was actually super interesting when meeting Chris and the team and, and just understanding that Chris's core focus was around modularity and speed to build and cost to build. Uh, and sustainability and uh, with the waterless cooling and a number of other things since then, uh, we were perfectly aligned. Our entire strategy was around modular design, scalability, sustainability. So there were so many things in common. And, and I think when Chris came up, I actually don't know that he expected that they would continue with looking at Root and it was kind of a, hey, let's just go have a quick look. But when he saw how similar we were, and uh, we hit it off in our first meeting, and it's been a great uh, it's been great working for Chris and with the rest of the team ever since I joined. Yeah, I mean, Compass uh, has always uh, done a lot of interesting things and been very thoughtful about the the sort of uh, approach to the customer. Um, site selection has always been something that that Chris and and, uh, and Chris Curtis and, and Compass have thought a lot about. As the international guy, uh, which at, at first was you know, Canada being international, uh, I, I assume that this is, uh, is going to extend beyond uh, just Canada. What can you tell me about uh, how Compass is thinking about the international opportunities and, and how you go about assessing those? I mean, I think there, there are the core fundamentals in any site selection, which I, I say are table stakes, which are you need power, you need fiber. Uh, obviously, you, it's, it's got to be a good site to build uh, the shell and core and, and expand onto. In a perfect world, you have expansion capacity either adjacent or nearby. But I mean, there's there's probably a hundred point checklist that we go through when looking at sites, and then you decide which of those those points are, are the are the most important. When we expanded into Toronto and built our first site uh, last year in Toronto. Um, it's a market where real estate is in short supply and finding a site inside of the GTA that would work for a data center was super difficult. And I'd say Compass traditionally has done greenfield builds and that, that is our preference for sure. But in that particular case, uh, we did choose to purchase a, an existing warehouse and do a brownfield conversion. Um, that's not our preference, but in that, that's the, uh, that's certainly one of the things that one of the choices we had to make in a market uh, that was a little bit harder to find uh, real estate. Um, and I know that we haven't necessarily launched uh, this in, to, to any great degree, but we are in Israel right now building three data centers, um, finding land in Israel. It, it's a very small country. Finding land there is super difficult. So when you're looking at sites and, and fitting a data center on it, where they're really prior to us entering Israel, there really were no hyperscale data centers in the market and trying to figure out how to get power to those sites and 
and how to deal with sustainability in that market in that climate. Um, so th there's a lot of there's a lot of factors, but in the end, I'd say the fundamental the fundamental factors are uh, fiber, power, and really just expansion capabilities. Let's talk a little bit about some of the uh, uh, attributes that that you you see in the different kind of markets. You mentioned Toronto, which is a very different market than uh, than Quebec in many ways. It's always been seen as sort of the business capital of uh, of Canada uh, and more of a, a financial and, and business market. Does the uh, customer is the customer there different from what you see in Montreal? Uh, how how are the two markets different? So the way the way that Canada is set up is if you look at the business community, 80% of the business community sits inside of a triangle between Toronto, Montreal, and Ottawa. And so serving that market, you really are just looking at, hey, what's the latency to the to the applications in that triangle? And I would say 90% of the applications to service that kind of 80% of the business market can be served out of Montreal. Now there are there are super latency sensitive applications where you do need to put put your deployment in the Toronto market, and I'd say there are some companies who just prefer, uh, for whatever reason, to have their capacity or their data sitting in kind of Ontario versus Quebec. Um, so I would say the majority of hyperscale capacity in the country has gone to uh, Quebec for all of the reasons we talked about earlier and the low cost. Uh, but we are definitely seeing a shift. Um, we're seeing a shift where there is higher demand in Toronto right now, and that's why we did do the site uh, that we did. And, and we're still looking at other sites in Toronto as well as potential. Uh, again, we have two of them in Montreal, so we may want some redundant sites in the Toronto market as well. So you guys haven't talked as much about the Israel project, but that uh, is a certainly an interesting technology market. A lot of startups, a, a lot of... Uh, uh, technology coming out of Israel that uh, has made its way to Silicon Valley and some real sort of cutting edge stuff. What were the factors that made that uh, interesting? Because as you said, it uh, historically hasn't been a huge data center market. Yeah, so when we look at Europe, and I'll say Europe and Europe adjacent, Israel's in the Middle East, but really it's adjacent to Europe. So we, we kind of look at it as a part of our Europe strategy. But when we look at Europe, we look at it in three different kind of markets categories. One is kind of the big markets, the flap, Frankfurt, London, Amsterdam, Paris, and hey, those are high growth markets with significant demand. And hey, we're, we're interested in that. There are, there are second tier markets um, where, where customers are, have deployed small capacity already, and there's going to be expansion in those markets. And then there are brand new markets where no one exists yet. And Israel was one of those markets. And our strategy really is to look at opportunities across those three market types. It just happened that the first one that made sense was Israel and it fits into our brand new expansion market strategy, which is primarily driven by data residency. So this was an opportunity where there was high demand for hyperscale capacity due to data residency. The applications had to be in the country we knew there was going to be uh, data center demand from the hyperscale community. We looked at that opportunity. We did some a significant investigation into the market. It was a very complicated market to work in, both from a construction practices perspective and, and obtaining power at the magnitudes that hyperscale customers require. Uh, but we, we worked through those challenges and uh, we're looking to launch those centers uh, next year. You mentioned data residency. That seems to be a, a really important 
topic in, in site selection, particularly in Europe now. Uh, a lot of discussion that, that if you're going to do business in a country, uh, the data has to stay within the borders uh, and, uh, and not be served from, from outside. That seems to have created a lot of opportunity, obviously in the large markets. Does, does that extend to sort of second tier markets as well? And, and how do you think about uh, the different opportunities there? I kind of liken it uh, to Canada and the US. When the cloud first started, uh, for Canadian customers, the only place really to put in any large scale, the only place to put your applications or your data was in the US because all of the large clouds started in the US. And that serviced a portion of the market. I'd, so, I'd say most small, medium businesses don't, don't need to adhere to the same data residency requirements as the banks and the governments, and I'll say large enterprise. And then what happened was as cloud evolved and large enterprise and governments and banks were moving uh, into the cloud, right. uh, the cloud guys realized that, hey, we need to have capacity in the Canadian market. And that's why we saw the large expansion in the Canadian market. I'd say the same thing happened across Europe where Frankfurt, London, Amsterdam, Paris have serviced the general business market for a number of years. And now what we're seeing is, hey, as governments and enterprise enter the cloud space in, in I'll say secondary market, they're, they're demanding that the cloud capacity reside in the countries they exist. And now the, cl the cloud guys have to come and deploy capacity in those secondary markets. And that seems to be really part of the, you know, establishing regions and availability zones that the whole, you know, backup strategy plays into that as well, correct? That's correct. And, and it really, it's gonna be interesting to see, is it, is it gonna be every country is it going to be regional? Like, do you need to be in every country in Eastern Europe or will there be a central location that services Eastern Europe? Um, I think that's yet to play out, but to a certain degree over time, I think, I think these guys need to be in every country in the world, um, but we'll certainly have, I'll say hubs where there may be, there's more capacity deployed and in some of the smaller countries, it'll be smaller deployments, but uh, certainly over time, they'll need to be in every country in the world. Now, there has been some interesting developments in the large European markets, the flap, uh, Frankfurt, London, Amsterdam, Paris. A lot of folks will throw uh, Dublin in there as, as well. Yep. Um, Amsterdam has had some a lot of discussions and, and slowdowns in development due to concerns about power capacity and where things are going. There's recently been some similar discussion in Frankfurt. Uh, is it becoming harder to... to uh, to do site selection in Europe? And uh, is the, the environment uh, changing there for uh, companies that want to come in and deploy significant data center capacity? Yeah, I'd say one of the challenges in Europe is obviously the countries from a geographic perspective are much smaller than the US and Canada. So just, just the sheer amount of land is smaller. And then many of the deployments have happened in the core of the city. So uh, from a networking perspective, the the initial goal is not to go far from that core. And then from a, an availability of land around the core that's been created, it's really hard. And what we found in, in all of those markets is there's a lot of very centralized compute and uh, I'll, I'll say centralized uh, emissions from data centers and uh, a lot of demand. And, and I think what's happened is uh, some, some of those countries have tried to figure out, hey, what, what is the impact? And, and Amsterdam is interesting because it's actually gone through the full cycle of, hey, you right. can't build. And now is opening a backup and saying, hey, it's fine to build. 
because they saw the slowdown um, and they want that back in, in their, in their city. And it looks like they're, they're open for business again. Um, there's been a very recent announcement in Frankfurt for sure around, Hey, should we ask, ask the industry to spread out more? Um, and, and we're working through that with the, with folks in Frankfurt for sure. It, it will add challenges. And I would say working with governments um, when, when you're changing the dynamic of kind of both the, the land use and the employment impact, we had to do the same thing in Montreal, where we had, we had an issue in Montreal where most of the governments were saying, hey, we're not sure we want data centers in our, in our area of the city because we're not sure that the employment is there and we're not sure what the impact is on power utilization in our area of the city. And then what they soon realize is these large data centers, although the actual data center itself doesn't necessarily employ a lot of people um, for the, the pure data center component, the large number of IT employees that then wrap around that data center in the community is quite large. And uh, there are a lot of employment benefits that occur for the city and tax benefits that occur for the cities. But uh, yes, we're, we're working through it. It does make it challenging for sure. It seems that uh, particularly in the US, I think uh, cities and, and economic development agencies are really starting to understand some of the economic benefits of having data centers. You know, some of the uh, budget impacts in Northern Virginia, where obviously there's, there's a lot of them have, uh, uh, have sort of laid the groundwork for that, but in, and certainly seeing in other places as well. But you mentioned power utilization. And I, I'm curious about uh, uh, something that, that happened in, uh, in, in the Montreal, uh, Quebec market. Obviously data centers have been there for, for quite a while. You mentioned that there was some ambivalence at first all this data center growth happened, but a couple of years ago, suddenly the, the cryptocurrency industry shows up. And when these guys come in, they that, uh, mine Bitcoin or, or Ethereum or whatever, they, they typically want a lot of power or request a lot of power from the, the local utility, but I think they get viewed as a different sort of customer set. How, how did all of that work out and, and what's your take on how uh, utilities like you know Hydro Quebec obviously was out for a long time at data center trade shows saying hey we've got all this abundance of power how do they they sort of manage and and uh, uh, check out the, the the new workloads coming in yeah it was actually an interesting time we were there and we were deep into understanding what was happening with cryptocurrency at the time I think the one unique factor of cryptocurrency is it doesn't need to be near anything so what we found was in a lot of cases, it didn't, it didn't impact the uh, electricity availability in the city of Montreal. And it went, out, it went far out into kind of rural Quebec and drew power from substations in rural Quebec. Funny enough, the other industry that impacted us was cannabis in Canada with yeah. the, the legalization of cannabis, because then all of a sudden there were grow operations that needed massive amounts of power at the same time. So there was data centers, cryptocurrency and cannabis all fighting for power. Now that is, that is kind of also leveled out. And, and I'd say the only, the only industry that's really stayed strong is the core data center industry. But the city of Toronto, or sorry, the city of Montreal right now is in short supply of electricity. Uh, they're going through a major uh, expansion and, uh, or into the substations that are kind of in the city and around the city. But if, if you want to be close to the city, most power is, is now earmarked up until 2023 
between 2023 and 2025 to get new power. So if you if you want power and you haven't been there, you're waiting. You're going to wait for a long time unless you go to the South Shore or off the island or or up north of the city. But there is a shortage of power in in the city right now, and and we're all dealing with that. Does that you know constrain what what you guys can do at all, or did you kind of get in early enough that you've got some capacity allocated in the substation? Yeah, we got lucky uh, with our our high voltage upgrade just got completed in the last six months, so we have significant significant capacity at the sites we have in Montreal right now and and in other potential sites that we have that we're looking at as well. The uh, international operation for Compass, as you mentioned, you've got a couple of uh, new developments deployed. How ambitious are, are you guys at, uh, at this and, and how do you see the opportunity uh, in, in terms of thinking about uh, the kind of uh, expansion the possibilities are out there? I mean, I think uh, I think as a, as a company, we we kind of fly under the radar a bit and don't necessarily uh, divulge everything we're working on. Uh, however, uh, we we like Europe. We think there's a significant amount of expansion capabilities there uh, in multiple countries. Uh, we do believe that we have a great product for our customers. I mean, we are we're very focused on speed and sustainability which we think are the key elements that our customers are looking for. Um, we, we do believe we're one of the fastest builders in, in the industry and, and can really help our customers as they look to expand in the European market. And we're talking to them about that on a regular basis. We, we would love to grow quite large in Europe and are looking at a lot, a lot of different opportunities. It seems that there's a, a lot of investor interest in the data center sector. We've talked a little bit about that in the past. Uh, there's a growing number of, of platforms and uh, a lot of competition, it seems. Um, is Compass uh, content to, to go out and develop sites on its own? Do you guys think about M&A and, and, uh, and look at the opportunities there? Yeah, I mean, I think the interesting thing in Europe right now is that many of the existing entities aren't aren't wholesale entities and they have a, a large percentage that I would say would be the old retail data center co-location business. And many of them have slowly migrated into wholesale. They're kind of a mixed bag where, where we're, we are primarily focused on wholesale customers. So our, our preference is to develop, uh, develop the land and build and, and really build out data centers that align directly with what our customers are looking for. And Looking at each each kind of each of our customers and kind of building dedicated capacity for them that that matches what they're looking for in a data center. So I'd say M and A doesn't work as well for us. Uh, what we're really looking to do is develop land and, and build out campuses, whether big and small, depending on on the region, uh, that really meets the requirements of our wholesale customers. How has the uh, the pandemic impacted the ability to? to do a, uh, an international expansion. It's a complex undertaking under uh, any circumstances, but given the variabilities in, uh, in how the COVID-19 uh, pandemic has affected life in different countries, uh, what's that experience been like? We completed a site here in Toronto. The entire site was built during COVID and not that we didn't have any challenges, but we had a phenomenal team who worked through those challenges and we delivered that uh, capacity on time. Uh, we started our Israel projects during COVID. And again, we knew it was there and, and we dealt with it. 
I would say the harder part is as we look at new locations and not able to travel to go look at new locations is hard, but there's lots of technology available today, uh, whether it be dr drone flyovers or video technology that allows you to feel like you are there. But it's, cer it's certainly not the same as going and standing on the mm -hmm. site and looking in every direction and going, yeah, I like this site. But we get through it for sure. The last thing I wanted to ask about was, you know, last year was a big year in terms of the amount of capacity we saw deployed in the data center industry. A lot of demand being generated by the changes uh, to society and to business uh, during the pandemic. Um, and so a lot of data center operators were racing to deploy capacity uh, because of demand from the, the hyperscale players, you know, video outfits. What does 2021 look like so far? What's your take on, on how demand is shaping up? The pandemic is still ongoing in some places, but other places uh, seem to be making some progress. What does the demand picture look like? Yeah, I mean, I think there was certainly a, an acceleration due to COVID and the use of technology during COVID. But I think that acceleration is still continuing as we're all changing how we work. And, and I'd say even the, the, the advent of IoT and, and its kind of advancement and it's moving along and kind of the electric car movement and that moving along, like I would say there, the, the shift to using more compute is here and I predict for the next many years, uh, we're going to see an acceleration of uh, capacity requirements from all the players. And uh, we're, we're pretty bullish on the data center industry. Obviously, I, I've been in it for 20 years and it's only got better every year. Right. Um, uh, so we're pretty bullish and, and we certainly see continued acceleration and growth in, in the industry. Well, that's certainly what we've seen as well. I like to joke that, uh, you know, nobody will be using less data uh, tomorrow than they are today. It, uh, it always seems to, to be more. And, and you know, we, we track a lot of uh, technologies that uh, as they evolve uh, also seem, uh, you know, destined to, to create more uh, data demand. So AJ, thanks for, for being with us today and uh, sharing your experience and telling us what uh, uh, Compass is, is up to in uh, the data center industry. Uh, we very much appreciate you uh, taking the time and, uh, and keep us uh, posted going forward. That's been fantastic, Rich. Thank you, uh, thank you for the time. And uh, thanks to our listeners for tuning in to the Data Center Frontier Show, where we tell the story of the data center industry one podcast at a time. We'll talk to everybody soon. Thanks for listening to the Data Center Frontier Show. You can find the show notes for this episode at datacenterfrontier.com slash podcast, including links to all the resources Rich mentioned on our show. Today's podcast was brought to you by Compass Data Centers. To learn more about how Compass has the market presence and capacity and enables you to grow on your schedule, visit compassdatacenters.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Data Center Frontier Show wherever you find quality podcasts. If you enjoyed this show, please tell your friends and share about it on your social channels. You can always find us on the web at datacenterfrontier.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.